All right, we're live, or I certainly hope yeah. we are, because if not, I'm talking to an empty room. Um, hi, everybody. As usual, it is wonderful to be here at another Data on Kubernetes community meetup. Um, I don't know if you can see me or not. I can see me, um, so <laughs> that's good. But, but anyway, we, I was just saying to Tim that we've been playing this for a while, but if you're new to the community, um, you can always check us out on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Slack. We're always looking for speakers. We're always looking for folks to get involved. We had a big event last week that Tim was also a part of. Gave an amazing talk about data ops. Apparently, he's doing it. Um, but, but like I said, we're always looking for speakers. It doesn't matter your age, your experience, what language you speak. We like to do meetups in different languages as well. Um, Tim has been an amazing community member. If you want to know how to be a good community member, Tim is a perfect example of that. Um, very willing to help out, uh, very generous with his time, always answering questions in our Slack, um, helping folks get, get oriented. I imagine there will be quite a few questions um, from today's meetup as well. Uh, just as a reminder as well, we are here on YouTube. We're also in Zoom. So anyway, some people might be in one place or another. Um, but feel free to keep the questions going. Um, we will have time for questions at the end, but also on the go, Tim, if it's okay with you, I may stop you and, and share some questions from the audience. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Sure. Yeah, good. Um, so like I said, Tim doesn't really need too much of an introduction because he's very much been a part of our community. And Tim, when did we plan this? In January? I don't remember when um, we first talked. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Sure. So that's yeah, good. It's good. And Tim works in a fantastic company. It's called Fullstack. Um, very, very involved in all aspects of Kubernetes. Um, certifications, training, consulting, working on lots of stuff. Tim, you can tell us a little bit more about that before we get into the presentation. Um, but like I said, just once again, everybody, you're very, very welcome here. Um, shout out to the CNCF. We are integrating the CNCF as a community. Um, so if anyone's interested in CNCF stuff as well, you can reach out and contact me on Slack. Be happy to help out in any way I can. Um, but that being said, Tim, who are you? What do you do? And tell us about tacos and guitar, please. Okay, so um, let's start with the guitar. Okay. Uh, my sister is actually uh, a guitarist with like uh, education, and everything, and um, she is now teaching me how to play guitar. So nice. I used to play guitar a little bit before, but I picked it up again. Um, I'm also looking at my guitar right now. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I picked it up again after um, right Corona started, and now my sister is learning me how to play the jazz guitar. So Ooh. Very, very good. And you also make hip-hop beats or electronic music. Yeah, so I used to make electronic music, um, but that was already some time ago, like six years ago maybe. I used to DJ a little bit as well. I still have a lot of records, um, and I like to dabble sometimes, yeah. but um, it's a long time ago. It, it takes a lot of time, but it's good that you like to try different things. And um, what was I going to say? And where are you located, just so everybody knows? We're international. Um, so uh, based out of the Netherlands. Um, and I'm currently living in Olvenhout, which is a little village south of Breda, which is a little bit bigger. Um, and it's near the border with Belgium, so I have access to a lot of good beer. <laughs> That's very strategically located. You got yeah, everything you need. Sure. Cool. And can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Fullstack? Um, yeah, so Fullstack is a cloud-native uh, company with a bunch of nerds doing lots of cloud-native stuff. Um, we do a lot of stuff with Kubernetes. So microservices, Kubernetes adoption, and anything that runs on Kubernetes. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, that is data workflows and data pipelines. All right, very good. And data workflows and data pipelines is not the first time we're you know we're having to talk about this, which is a good sign. You know that there is a strong interest in this. Um, we had a meetup uh, a month and a half or so, or a month and a half or so ago with uh, Stephen Bailey. Big yeah. shout out to Stephen Bailey who talked to us about Argo, how it's being used in Emuda. 
here we're going to get this con you know comparison and contrast between Argo and Airflow. That being said, Tim, take it away. Jump right into your presentation. All right, cool. So um, Airflow versus Argo Battle Royale. Um, so first off, for the Battle Royale aficionados, it's not really a Battle Royale because usually you have more than one or more than two competitors. Um, we could actually do that with data workflow um, orchestration frameworks because there are a lot of them, but that's maybe for a different time. So that's what I was just going to say because, like, once I started looking this up, I was seeing you know Luigi, Kubeflow, like other things being thrown out there. But you know, we have one yeah. hour. Let's be practical. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, maybe a future on. Who knows? Mm. So Airflow versus Argo, Battle Royale. We are going to be um, comparing. Airflow versus Argo, how they are going to be running on Kubernetes, like how do you install them in Kubernetes, what are some of their strengths and weaknesses, and is one better than the other? So um, a little bit about me. So I already had a little bit of an introduction. So I'm Tim von der Keer, uh, DataOps enthusiast. I am a member of the Data on Kubernetes community, and I work for the wonderful company Fullstack, based out of the Netherlands. Bunch of nerds doing cloud-native stuff. Um, and in the right-hand bottom, you see a little drawing of me with a mustache and a cap, so that's also what I'm wearing uh, today. Um, that being said, I love and know Airflow. So like a year and a half ago, um, we had to um, implement Airflow in our environment. We were using our own builds, like data orchestration framework, also written in Python, on Kubernetes before then. Um, and we had to implement a more mature solution, and that's where we implemented Airflow on Kubernetes. Um, and that worked really well. I am a really big fan of Airflow. I love Airflow. Um, but I'm also intrigued by Argo. So a lot of colleagues from my, uh, who I have were doing still more CI-CD stuff, um, and they were using Argo, Argo CD specifically, and they were very enthusiastic about it. And they were also uh, giving meetups about it and webinars. And I think you can catch uh, uh, my colleague Fabian. He has like a webinar online somewhere uh, where he goes into Argo CD and how you would run it and use it as well. Um, and I thought, this is really cool. Can I use this to spin up Airflow? Yes, I could. We didn't do it. But I found out that um, you also have Argo Workflows. And Argo Workflows is the data orchestration or the workflow orchestration uh, tool from um, from Argo. So what I'm trying to answer here is um, how do both do data on Kubernetes? Um, that's the main question I'm trying to answer. And then also, is one actually better than the other in doing data on Kubernetes? And I'm trying to answer this. Um, based on a couple of criteria. So we are going to be having three rounds where we are going to have Argo versus Airflow, Airflow versus Argo, battle it out. So the ring is going to be Kubernetes, and we have three rounds. And those rounds are one, installation. So how can we set up an instance of Airflow and an instance of Argo on Kubernetes? Um, what are the components there? Uh, what is the procedure for getting it running on Kubernetes? And is it actually easy to do? Then we have round two. So we are going to be looking at what is a workflow or a DAG for either Airflow or Argo. Um, how do you develop a workflow for either one? And how can you manage and run workflows um, using Airflow or Argo on Kubernetes? 
and then we have the final round which is performance so we are going to be looking at which solution is actually more performant on kubernetes and i uh, did a little test for that and i'll share the results with you uh, with you later um so that being said we have the contenders so in the red wing we have airflow the established and in the blue ring we have argo workflows so i say the new kid on the block, but actually it's also been around for some time as well. So Airflow is written in Python. Um, it has a very large community, a very active community as well, uh, both of users and different environments where it's being used in, but also a very big community of developers as well, a very active community. Um, it's better is included, just like Python itself is which means it has everything you need to start running, orchestrating workflows, building them. They have all kinds of different operators with which you can interface to different environments. So for example, you have operators for doing um, executing bash commands, but also operators for talking to Azure, to Google Cloud, for sending up Spark clusters, like uh, you name it, there's an operator for it. Um, and they recently released a big 2.0 version. So some noticeable 2.0 features are that the scheduler, which is one of the main components that makes up Airflow is now uh, high available. So you can run multiple schedulers in an active, active configuration. Uh, with that, there was also a big rewrite of the scheduler or executor. Um, so a lot of performance improvements there as well. A full-blown API, that was also something that was missing. There was an experimental API, but now the API is full-blown, so you have all um, the capabilities of managing docs, tasks, and other Airflow components via the API. And also they simplified the Kubernetes configuration. So before it was kind of difficult to get Kubernetes executor configured for Airflow. Um, they simplified that as well. So um, with that, they brought Airflow into the uh, well next gen next-gen era for me. On the other hand, we have Argo workflows. So Argo is written in Go. It's young in comparison to Airflow. So Airflow was incubated in uh, 2014 and Argo 2017. Uh, Airflow became part of the Apache Software Foundation in 2019 and Argo workflows um, became part of the CNCF as an incubation project in the 2020. So uh, young in comparison, but also already around for a couple of years. So Argo is cloud native and container native. So it's built with containers in mind, with Kubernetes in mind versus Airflow, which can run fine on Kubernetes, but wasn't built with Kubernetes in mind. And also Argo workflows is part of a bigger ecosystem. So that means that um, you have Argo workflows, but you also have Argo CD, like I said before, and you also have Argo events, which also ties a little bit into Argo workflows. And with events, you can, um, for example, have workflows trigger on external events, be they files landing in a S3 bucket um, or webhooks coming in, for example. Oh, also version 3.0 recently got released by Argo. 3.1 is also coming along. I saw that Bart uh, also posted some to your homework uh, on LinkedIn about that. Um, so in version 3.0, they upgraded the UI. They also implemented the API for Argo events. Um, and they have 
also implemented controller high availability. So it's not the same as with Airflow, where you have actually an active active controller, but with Argo, it's uh, it's a hot standby. So without further ado, let's get into the first round, installation on Kubernetes. And for this round, I have two criteria. So first off, we are going to be looking at what are the components for Airflow? What are the components for Argo? Um, what's the architecture like? What do the different components do? And then we are going to be looking at the uh, procedures. So how do we actually get an instance of Airflow or Argo running on top of Kubernetes? And is it actually easy to do? So first off, Airflow the main components for airflow are the scheduler slash executor the web server slash api and the metadata database so the scheduler executor its responsibility is to monitor and trigger uh docs and tasks and uh also to execute workloads and it does this by talking to the Kubernetes API and uh, scheduling parts and getting uh, the state of parts, reading pod logs, for example. And also the scheduler executor is responsible for doing a bit of cleanup. And you have multiple executors available, um, but we assume that we are using the Kubernetes executor here. Then you have the web server API. So it provides a graphical user interface to visualize all kinds of things about docs and their tasks, uh, but also to do a little bit of configuration. Uh, you can, for example, add users via the uh, UI and do some uh, variable adding and some connection or secret management. And also um, it's the entry point for end user API requests. Then you have the metadata database. This uh, database stores task and doc state and other state about Airflow objects. Um, also shared configuration is stored there. And the metadata database can serve as a secrets backend for uh, shared secrets or connection storage. So what does that look like? Um, little drawing here. So we have a data engineer talking to the web server API. Um, with this, he can schedule or trigger docs which then get executed by the scheduler executor, but also the scheduler executor can uh, pull and see if there are any docs which need to be execu um, executed. And then the scheduler executor will spin up worker pods and these worker pods will then talk to the metadata database, uh, get the tasks that they need to run. They will serialize the doc, so the workflow object, which needs to be made available to the workers as well. And it then executes the task that it needs to execute. It reports its results, the scheduler picks this up, and then it's, uh, uh, well, basically it then states that the task has been successful. And that gets represented again back to the end user in the web server API. So these are some of the components that we are going to be needing um, when we want to have Airflow running. And this also translates to some Kubernetes resources. So for Airflow, you need at least the following. So you need um, at least one deployment, can be multiple, uh, a deployment of the web server and a deployment of the scheduler executor, but you can also tie them together in one deployment. Then you need to have um, a service 
and for uh, for example communicating between the scheduler and the web server but also if you are going to be running the database locally um, you need to have a service for the database as well so you are going to need a couple of service objects then a service account and the service account is going to be responsible for actually running the pods uh, scheduling them um, it, it needs to have the correct provisions right so it's going to be scheduling the workloads and it needs to have a role for that and the role contains the permission so you need to have a role object and then also a role binding which binds the role to the service account so it looks simple but um, there is no template so there is no out-of-the-box template that you can use to get airflow running on kubernetes there is a lot of information around so um, there are a lot of resources, but no official standardized way from Airflow itself to get this running on Kubernetes, which means it's a lot of do-it-yourself. Um, you have to figure out how Airflow translates to these resources and how you get it running in your environment. There is also a Helm chart or some Helm charts, multiple actually available, um, but some are not yet working for 2.0, some work for 2.0, but require some debugging and some uh, adding of values that's not directly clear. Um, so that makes it a lot more complex to set up. The nice thing is, is that uh, you can make it as complex as you want. Um, I mean, you are probably going to be building the resources and debug debugging the environment to get it working. That also means that you can start very simple with a very simple deployment and you can go from there. And that also means that you can have it fit your environment because you are going to, well, develop it for your environment specifically, probably. Um, something that I also noticed is because you are developing it yourself, it's hard to determine some same defaults. Of course, these are also depending on what kind of environment you are going to be running it on. Um, you can get some same defaults from the Helm charts as well, but I mean, it's, it's all do-it-yourself. It's a lot of trial and error, a lot of figuring out, combining resources, doing research, uh, research into what fits best. Um, that being said, not as easy to get it running on Kubernetes. It does run just fine, but it's, um, it's a bit harder. On to Argo, though. Argo, uh, the Argo components first. So we have the um, workflows, which is the custom resource definition for Argo, um, in which you specify the work to be done. And then we have the workflow controller and we have Argo server. Uh, and we also have some optional components, or at least Argo specifies that you do not need them, which are the artifact repository and the archive database. And I would state that they are very nice to have. So, Workflows, there are Argo's custom resource definition, so they tie into the Kubernetes ecosystem very well. Um, they're the definition of what needs to be done and also how it will be done. And it's also a way of storing state. So uh, workflows is also the object with which you are going to be interfacing. So via the Argo CLI, for example. Then we have the workflow controller, this component is responsible for um, transforming your workflow declaration into state. So you declare what your workflow looks like, 
how it needs to be run, what kind of configuration it has, and then the workflow controller actually transforms this into the state on the Kubernetes cluster, and it manages this as well. Um, so it's responsible for queuing and running workflows and also any cleanup uh, garbage collection of old workflows, archiving them if you have defined that or configured that. Then the Argo server, so it provides a graphical UI and an API. And also provides ways to manage workflows and uh, download artifacts if you would want that. Also has some uh, capabilities for user management and uh, single sign-on, stuff like that. And then the artifact repository. So an artifact in Argo is uh, an output of a task. So you have some workload and this workload can have a certain output, be it some data in a JSON file or in a parquet file, um, or maybe a generated image. And then this artifact can be stored in a repository. And the artifact repository is a way that this is abstracted away. So your task can have a certain output, and then that output, if you have your artifact repository set up, gets stored in that repository. And it's um, it has a very nice abstraction for that. Archive database, so it's optional for Argo. Um, it's a way of archiving workflow states. So um, because workflows are an object on Kubernetes, um, they can also get cleaned up. So if you want to keep those states for interacting with after they get cleaned up, it's best to archive them. And for that, uh, you have the archive database. So what does that look like? Um, again, we have a data engineer who can interface with Argo using the Argo CLI or via the Argo server. And then um, we have the workflow controller, which is actually responsible for uh, managing the state of workflows. And if we have a bit of workload, workload in a workflow for Argo, um, we are talking about a task. And then a task gets translated into a bunch of containers. So with Argo, every bit of work runs in a container, which is the main container. Um, then we can possibly also have an init container, which can, for example, supply some binaries for the main container or do a Git checkout, for example. Um, and then we have the wait container, which waits on the state of the main container. And is a way for, uh, um, <clears throat> sorry. And it's a way for the workflow controller also to see um, if the main container has already done its work. Then we have the artifact repository. So for storing uh, artifacts and we have the workflow archive for <clears throat> storing workflow state. So again, a lot of components here. Um, onto the installation. So the procedure for installing Argo workflows on Kubernetes. And this is really nice because Argo actually provides some installation manifests. So in comparison with Airflow, where we need to figure it out ourselves, uh, Argo provides some installation manifests. So there are a couple of them. We have a standard cluster-wide installation. So this is the minimal components to get Argo running, but they also supply manifests uh, for a full-flown, um, full-fledged installation with an archive database and with an artifact repository. And this artifact repository then comes in the form of Minio, which is a blob-like object storage, uh, like, like S3, but then on Kubernetes itself.
Um, all right. So Tim. if you go for the full-fledged installation, what Tim. are the resources? Yeah. Sorry, we got a question um, from Sarye. The question okay. says, given that Argo uses Kubernetes for storage, if you have a lot of scheduled tasks, will this have bad effects on the ETCD uh, database? So given that Argo uses Kubernetes for storage, if you have lots of scheduled tasks, will this have bad effects on the etcd database? Um, it could be, yeah. I think I think it could be some put some additional load on the etcd database since it's storing the, the state there. Um, I'm not sure what the limitations are, but I can imagine that, that, that that's the case. So I hope that uh, kind of answers the question. Um, if there's another one, we'll let you know. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so on to the resources that Argo is going to be creating. Um, so first of all, we have the custom resource definitions, so the workflow objects themselves. And then Argo is also going to spin up some service accounts, so one for the server, one for the controller, um, some roles, some cluster roles, role bindings, uh, configuration maps, etc., and then also some deployment objects, Argo server, Minio, Postgres for the archive database and the workflow controller. So um, it looks like lots of stuff, but it's really very transparent as well because um, you get a complete picture. So you can immediately, immediately see this is, what, this is what it takes to get Argo running on Kubernetes. Um, this is the base that I can use. These are all the resources that are going to be uh, going to be spun up for me. So it's very transparent. You know what you need to get it working out of the box, and it also works out of the box with these manifests. Um, and again, some of the bits are optional. So the procedure for getting Argo running on Kubernetes is a breeze in comparison with Airflow. Um, and that also brings me to the next point which is the conclusion of this first round. Argo is Kubernetes first, is container first, and Airflow runs fine on Kubernetes, but is more of a journey to get it set up. Um, with that being said, it also means that we have a very clear winner here. So uh, Argo is the winner of round one. Next up, round two, workflows and docs. So we are going to be looking at um, the workflow objects and the doc objects that um, Airflow and Argo needs. How do you develop them? Um, what do they look like for either solution and also how can you run these workflows on Kubernetes? So what are the ways we have for managing these workflows? First, let's establish what is a workflow or doc. So it stands for directed acyclic graph. Um, I always found it to be a very difficult word, but it means nothing more than that it is directed. So it moves from one direction to the other. It's not part of a cycle, so it's uh, it's acyclic. It does not repeat upon itself. It has a clear start and a clear endpoint. And also it's a graph, which means it has nodes and vertices. Um, and that looks something like this. And in our case, these nodes are going to be relations to each other, so they are going to be tasks and then their dependencies to one another. So whether one is an upstream or downstream dependency. 
for Airflow, a DAG is a Python file, is a Python object. Um, so we use Python to develop our DAGs with Airflow. We have the full Python ecosystem available because of that. Um, one of the main components of an Airflow DAG is the DAG object itself. So this is a Python object that Airflow provides. And in this DAG object, we configure our tasks, we set some default arguments, and also we define the relationships or the dependencies between those tasks that we declare inside our DAG object. And that looks something like this. So this is a simple example DAG. Um, so at the top here, we do our imports. So we, I think it's just out of screen or maybe not, but we import the main DAG object. Um, then we import some operators. So the dummy operator, which does nothing, um, a bash operator used for executing bash commands, and also the Python operator with which we can execute some custom Python code. And also because of this Python, we have the full Python uh, core libraries available to us. And also, of course, any other external uh, third-party libraries or maybe some libraries that we develop ourselves we can use as well. So then we define- Sorry, Tim, uh, sorry, we got yeah. another question. This time from YouTube, from Mohammed okay. from Canada. Thank you very much, Mohammed, for the question. The question is, what is the strategy that you would recommend for RABC, um, uh, I'm seeing auth N or auth Z for either data access or computing in the context of multiple teams using the instances of Airflow and Argo? Okay, um, so you can, of course, um, for Airflow, supply an instance per team, if you would want, um, so that they can maybe manage the instance themselves and also all the docs that are there. Um, Airflow 2 also provides some additional RBAC options um, with roles, so you, maybe you can apply some segregation uh, on that level, if you would want, so then you would just have one Airflow instance. Um, for Argo, I have a little bit less experience with this. Um, I know that the Argo UI provides a lot of RBAC options. Um, I know that you can do some segregation on namespaces as well. So with Argo workflows, you can do certain namespaced installations where uh, maybe teams, if they have certain namespace constraint, can only run tasks in their own namespace. Um, so maybe those are some of the options you can uh, look into. Okay. Right, um, so back to the DAG. Um, so some custom Python code we can define, uh, which we run using the Python operator. Then we have some default arguments as well. Um, and then we get our the declaration of our DAG object. So we supply a name, we supply um, some uh, defaults which are required. So the start date, uh, schedule interval, for example, on which schedule we want to run this Airflow DAG. Uh, and then we have the dark object, and then we declare our task. So we have task zero, does nothing, uses the dummy operator, task one, task two, uses the bash operator, uh, task three. And then because it's Python, we can also use conditionals and loops. And for example, we can generate tasks based on certain criteria or certain inputs. And here at the bottom, that happens for the Python operator. And then all the way at the bottom, we set our um, dependencies. So 
developing workflows for Airflow, you have the Python ecosystem available to you. So um, you have a lot of off-the-shelf components that you can use. There's a lot of knowledge out there as well on how to develop docs, a big community. Um, there's some simple tests that you can run locally um, for your custom Python code. You can also develop unit tests and use uh, the PyTest testing framework, maybe. Um, but what's a little bit less good or bad is that the only way to get the full picture is by running it in Airflow. And that's not a problem per se, but it's more difficult to get your docs into Airflow than uh, it is with Argo. Um, what does a typical development workflow look like? Or typical, what can a development workflow for Airflow look like? So you have your Python environments. Um, I would recommend being in a virtual environment, having Airflow installed and having some dependencies for your DAG that you're going to be using. Then you start a new DAG, you add some boilerplate, so the DAG objects, some default arguments that you use within your organization or for your environment. Then you identify the operators to use, and there are a lot of them to choose from. Um, so there's probably an operator for whatever thing you want to do. Then you declare those operators as tasks, you configure them, look at the um, look at the documentation to see what kind of parameters they accept and require. Um, you set your task dependencies, relationships between your tasks. You can run some local tests, and then it's time to get the DAG into Airflow and run it. And of course, the dependencies that you uh, that your DAG requires also need to be present in your Kubernetes environment, whether it be via config map or secrets. Um, also, your DAG is going to be running on a worker image, on a worker pod, and this worker image can have some uh, defaults. Like for example, you may want to have a certain config map, certain environment variables always available to that worker image. And with Airflow, you can set this in the pod template file. So this is the way that Airflow provides for um, getting some defaults for all your worker images. And since this is just uh, a Kubernetes Sorry, Tim, resource. We got yeah, another question. Sure. Okay, okay, so also from Mohammed. Thank you, Mohammed. What is the strategy that you would recommend for DAG versioning? Um, DAG versioning. So um, use version control for the DAG versioning. Um, that's, that's what I would recommend. I think there's also some uh, progress being made on DAG versioning within Airflow itself but I'm not really sure about the progress there, but I would recommend having like a same development flow outside of your Airflow environment um, with Git, with version control, with maybe some automated tests, um, and of course a good review process. And then if you have a certain CICD or release pipeline set up around that, you could always decide to go back to a previous version of, um, of a DAG with a certain release. Thank you. Right, so pod template file, use it to set defaults. Um, the biggest hurdle I have with um, Airflow and Kubernetes is getting the workflows there. So there are, Airflow provides multiple ways of getting your docs into Airflow. Um, it is via Git sync, so syncing um, a remote repository. It's a nice tie-in with the question we had earlier. Um, so you can sync your remote repository onto a volume make that volume available to Airflow. So then we have a new release that's on a certain branch in Git, and then that gets synced to your Airflow instance. Um, 
also you can just write them to a volume directly, make that volume available to your Airflow instance, or you can build your docs inside of your Airflow image. Um, and I prefer, prefer this way because then you supply Airflow as a full package. And there you can also do some additional testing on the whole instance of Airflow itself with all the docs. And then you can state, okay, so my instance of Airflow for this release with all the docs, with all the dependencies is okay. Just release it to the environment. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a bit more difficult to Sorry, get. Sorry, Tim, we got, so, a, we got another yep. question. People love you. Sure. You're a big deal. All right, so we got another question from Sarie. Sarie, thank you for the question. Uh, what is the common way to install Argo or Airflow when Kubernetes already hosts business applications? For example, having a dedicated Kubernetes cluster for Argo or Airflow and workflows, and in addition, keeping the same cluster and using namespaces. Um, so it, it, it kind of depends, like, um, are the workflows that you are going to be running, um, are they predictable? Are they, uh, are they not going to be uh, interfering with any of the business applications that are going to be running there? Like if you are going to have multi-tenancy on your cluster, you need to have good visibility. Um, you need to be sure that whatever workflow you are going to be running isn't going to be interfering with the business applications. So in that case, I think it would be best to have a separate cluster for your data workflows, if that is an option. Okay. And we got another question, this one from Mohammed. Thank you, Mohammed. Um, how would you mock, uh, mock data or unit test a DAG? Um, so unit testing a DAG itself is quite difficult. What I would recommend is at least doing some lint tests using PyLint. Um, you can run a simple parse test by just doing Python mydag.py, and then uh, you at least know if you have configured everything the right way, if there are no dependencies missing. Unit testing, you can unit test like the bits of custom Python code. Um, and from there on out, it becomes kind of difficult. Um, I would recommend maybe doing an end-to-end -end test on the test or acceptance environment where you just test the inputs and the outputs of the DAG to see if they are correct. Okay. All right, good, thank you. Okay, um, so scheduling, scheduling just like with Argo workflows, we'll see in a little bit, is part of the workflow itself. So you have to set a start date um, and also an interval can be once, can be daily, can be weekly, can be a cron. So that's how you would schedule a workflow. Um, next up, triggering your DAGs. So the main entry point for uh, a DAG in Airflow is via the schedule. So the scheduler sees that there's a DAG that needs to be executed and then executes it. But you can also trigger DAGs via the API or the UI um, to maybe do a backfill or something like that. And also you can set up the CLI to talk to the API. So Airflow 2.0 now has a full blown API, which also means that managing it via the CLI becomes viable. Next up. Argo, so Argo, different from Airflow, um, like with many things, Kubernetes, YAML, you're going to be a YAML engineer. Um, the main object is going to be workflows. So you are going to define, defining workflows. And in this workflow, you are going to be setting a couple of things. And one of those things is templates. And for Argo, a template is the work to be done and how you want to be doing it. Um, 
And then these templates, you can also specify some configuration options. What kind of inputs is my work going to accept? And then you call these templates via tasks. And then these tasks, you set their dependencies between each other. And um, this brings us to the template invocation logic. So tasks invocate a template, and they do this within a template invocation logic, which is the DAG. But for Argo, you also have um, steps invocation logic, where you can, it's a bit more simple, um, and you can just run steps in parallel or sequential. But we are going to be focusing on the, on the DAG here. Sounds a bit fake, I know, but um, an example might help. So here we have the definition of a workflow. And this workflow um, is a Kubernetes resource. So we set, uh, okay, we say it's a, it's, it's a workflow, it's a kind of workflow. We set some metadata, so generate name. Um, this is the prefix that the workflow will be running it with inside our environment. And then we get um, a generated UUID at the end. There have the spec, so the specification of the workflow. We have the entry point, so where does our workflow start, um, which is diamond. And then if we look a little bit down below, we have diamond as well. And then here we have the template invocation logic. So we are using DAG. And in this DAG, we have tasks, and these tasks have names. And then um, these tasks call or invocate a template, which is identified by the template identifier here, which is echo. And then if we go back to the top, we see that we have defined a template with uh, one template, which has the name echo. It accepts certain input parameters. Um, and also we define here, what is the work that this template is going to be doing? So it's going to be running an echo command and it's going to be running it in this container. Um, so very basic, this is what a workflow or DAG looks like for Argo. Um, so if you would be developing workflows for Argo, you are usually going to be like developing scripts, whether it be in like JavaScript or Python or any other language that you want that you can run inside of a container. Because Tim, Argo sorry, workflows- we got, we got another yeah. question. All right, this one's sure. from uh, Pratik. Thank you, Pratik, for the, the question. Can we set up email functionality in Airflow? If yes, an example? Uh, yes, you can. There are examples on the, uh, there are examples on the doc Airflow documentation. Um, for setting up email, email server, and then you can do email callbacks and email on failures and email on retries and stuff like that, which you can also do with uh, with Argo, but takes a bit more setup. Um, so again, developing workflows for Argo, you will be developing scripts, you will be developing containers because Argo is containers first, containers based. This also means that the development process is a bit more uh, disconnected. You don't have everything in one place like with Airflow. Um, also, the Argo CLI provides a lint command with which you can at least very quickly lint your workflow file to see if the syntax is correct. Um, and if your container runs, then there is a good chance that your workflow will also run if you are using that container and if you have provided the correct configuration to that container. So just like with Airflow, an example of development flow for Argo, they are kind of similar. So um, 
you need to have your environment set up. In this case, we are going to be developing containers, so we need Docker or some other container runtime interface. Then we are going to be developing scripts. We are going to be developing containers, maybe identifying, oh, I need to use um, a certain uh, Google CLI, um, for example, for moving some files to cloud storage. And um, Google provides a container image, which has this binary already available in it. So then I can use that in my workflow. Um, so identify which containers or binaries you need or develop scripts yourself, build custom containers where necessary. Um, then set up the workflow template. So set up the template, the inputs, the configuration, the parameters, then declare your tasks, set their dependencies, and then run some local tests. Um, and then it's time to submit the workflow to Argo. And for this, you can use the Argo CLI. And this is really the, the biggest strength I see for Argo. Because it's cloud native, Kubernetes native, um, if you are authenticated with your cluster, and you have the Argo CLI set up, then Argo CLI will also be able to uh, submit and manage workflow objects on your cluster directly. So no need to move your workflows from um, your local development station into any remote storage or doing Git things or stuff like that. You can just submit from your local dev station. Of course, you need to ensure that any required configuration is present. And what I think is very powerful about Argo as well, is that um, the full community spec is available for some fields. So Argo workflow extends the Kubernetes API with the workflow object and implements new fields and types, but you also have the Kubernetes fields and types that are already there available. So for example, um, here you have the container field or the container spec. And in this container spec, just like with a deployment or a pod, you can add all the fields and configuration that you are used to. So ports, um, failure thresholds, um, certain resource constraints, like all the stuff that is available to a container anywhere in Kubernetes is available inside of the workflows. Um, so running workflows, I already pointed out, you can submit them via the CLI, very easy. Um, I thought it's really, really nice to do. You can watch Sorry, them. Jenny, you can another work. question. Oh, yep, another sure. question from Pratik. Thank you, Pratik, for the question. Since Argo is using containers, how do, so how does auto-scaling or DR work here? Um, so auto-scaling, um, I, I, I'll actually touch on this in a little bit, but um, with, with, the, uh, with the test. But the auto-scaling, so because it's Kubernetes native, um, it's way more easy to actually scale out workflows. So um, the workflow controller is able to run multiple tasks in parallel um, because it's just saying, okay, this is the work that needs to be done. Kubernetes, go figure it out. Go find the resources um, and just go and spin up my, my workflows. So um, scaling out workflows very easily because that's Kubernetes native feature. Uh, disaster recovery. Um, I'm not sure um, what you mean by that or how you envision that in, in what kind of context. So if you can uh, supply that, I can maybe answer the question a little bit better. All right, keep going. So submitting the workflow via the CLI. Um, if you want to schedule a workflow, you can use the cron workflow object. So just like um, 
scheduling uh, dock with airflow you can supply a cron schedule you can do the same with argo but you need to use the cron workflow custom resource definition so not the um, the base workflow and this cron workflow supplies some additional parameters and configuration for managing your cron or schedule um, you can also run from the argo server ui so you can actually put in your workflows there and run them from there and that brings us to the conclusion of round two. So Airflow is more focused. You have everything together. It's batteries included off the shelf. It's a really big ecosystem. Uh, lots of documentation out there as well. Um, but Argo is easier to actually run those workflows. Um, also, the development process is kind of the same, but it's it's a bit more disconnected with Argo, especially when you are not um, that familiar with developing containers and are that familiar with Kubernetes, um, then Airflow is, is way easier there. But for me, they're kind of the same. And that also means that we have here our first drop. So both Airflow and Argo, they run fine in Kubernetes. They have lots of capabilities for doing workflows and docs. They both have their strengths and weaknesses. On to the last round, performance. So um, I want to do a simple test with some vanilla installations of both Airflow and Argo workflows. Um, and I wanted to run 50 parallel tasks. So I set up a Google uh, Compute Engine cluster, simple cluster, three nodes, six CPUs total, 12 gigabytes of RAM, um, using E2 medium nodes, which have uh, two shared CPUs. Airflow, I used a single scheduler setup, so you can run multiple schedulers in parallel, and then um, you can actually run more than two, three, four, I don't know what's, what the limit actually is, but then your performance gains increase a lot. Um, but vanilla installation, single scheduler setup, and also I had to set 50 tasks concurrency because um, Airflow has default of 16 task concurrency setup. So um, I needed to override that in the DAG. Argo as well, simple setup. Um, using a single workflow controller doesn't really matter here because it's a hot standby if we would do it uh, high available. Um, and then for the task itself, I just wanted to run a simple Python script, just return a random number, that's it. So the results, Airflow, I ran uh, multiple DAGs and on average, I had between one 30 seconds and two seconds for a complete dag run. As, um, as seen in the UI, so as reported in the UI. Um, of this, only two to four seconds was the actual task run itself. So the actual workflow run of generating this um, random Python number. And the rest was overhead. So, 60 seconds container runtime on average. And this is because of the follow. And this is true for any workflows you are going to be running in Kubernetes where you are going to have to spin up images. You are going to have overhead. So there's overhead of spinning up the image. Then Airflow needs to connect to the database. Then we need to parse the DAG, whether it's from the database itself by using a serialized DAG or from uh, local storage. And then Airflow can execute the task. So there's some overhead before we can even get to the work. 
and also what I noticed is that single scheduler supported only max 30 concurrent tasks with this setup. So um, sometimes it was a bit more, sometimes it was a bit less, like it wanted to run 50 tasks concurrently, but it just, just couldn't. There's probably maybe some optimization that I could do there, but I'm not sure. Just something I noticed. Then Argo, um, actually against my expectation, kind of the same. So between 130 seconds and two seconds for a completed dag run, and also 60 second container runtime on average, even though I was using very lightweight Alpine images. Um, so for Argo, there was some overhead in doing the pot in initialization. So um, we have to run three containers uh, of which the main container is doing the actual work. Uh, so execution of the task. And then I also noticed a little bit of delay uh, in the completion reporting. So the work was already done, but it had to um, report that it had actually completed. But Argo has no issues spinning up 50 parallel tasks, 100 parallel tasks, even more like I broke my cluster a couple of times because of this. Um, so really, really nice. In conclusion, in terms of performance, they are both very comparable. And especially with um, Airflow 2.0, like the Kubernetes executor rewrite, um, the high available scheduler, like uh, performance-wise, Airflow runs fine on Kubernetes. Um, Airflow needs to spin up a worker image per task with Airflow in it and all, it, all of its dependencies. So that's kind of an overhead. Argo has some overhead with the init and the weight containers, but both have overhead with spinning up containers to run their workloads. And that's this is just something that's inherent to Kubernetes. Um, and of course, the Airflow scheduler can only handle so much concurrency versus Argo, who appears to have no problems with this. So, that means also for round three, we have a draw. Um, and that brings us to the total standing, which means that Argo has won because of round one, because of the ease of setting up an instance of Argo on Kubernetes. And there you see that Argo was built with Kubernetes and containers in mind versus Airflow, which can run fine on Kubernetes, but, but wasn't developed for it per se. Um, so it was a winner, but only just they are both amazing tools for running data workflows. On Kubernetes, Airflow has a very big ecosystem, um, very large community. It's very established, well-known, um, runs, I mean, has all the capabilities that you would want um, and runs on Kubernetes fine. On the other hand, you have Argo, kind of the new kit on the block, works native for Kubernetes with uh, custom resource definitions and a custom controller. Um, if you are a bit more tied into Kubernetes and already working with Kubernetes a lot and containers a lot, then Argo might be a better fit for you. Performance-wise, they're kind of the same, although I'm sure there are lots of optimizations to be made. Um, so I love Airflow, but with that being said, I'm kind of infatuated with Argo and I'm definitely going to be looking into Argo a lot more. Uh, so thanks for having me, Bart. Um, you can catch me on Twitter. You can catch me on LinkedIn, and I'm also active on the Data on Kubernetes community Slack. So if you have any questions or you want to talk or chat, just hit me up there. That is 100% true. Tim is extremely accessible, extremely available. As you saw, answering the questions on the go, and I imagine that we're going to be continuing the conversation too in Slack. Tim, you know, I think it was a really interesting conclusion what you made there about how, and it was something that was mentioned since the very beginning, 
was that um, you know looking at these two tools, one being Kubernetes native and one not, that seems to be a frequent issue in other cases. Can you think of any other yep. cases, other tools that you're working with, where you're like, well, this one, you know, out of the box, Kubernetes native. The other one, you kind of got to make some adjustments to get it working on there. I think lots of folks out there in, in, in different situations are kind of struggling with that. Of as you know, many, many, many technologies are moving into the Kubernetes space. Thinking about those adaptations, stuff that's going to have to be adjusted, is a challenge. I'm just saying, in your yep. experience, have you ex have you encountered that with anything else? Uh, so for me, it's like when I am evaluating a new technology, especially now in the DevOps paradigm, where there's lots of new uh, innovations happening. A criteria for me always is how does it run on Kubernetes? Um, and there are some examples where I was kind of let down, like we have this new tool, but it's not really built with containers in mind. It's not really built with cloud native in mind. Um, and I think that's a miss. And then what you see then as well is that um, these products need to form a little bit of catch up because we are moving to a Kubernetes world. Kubernetes has one, Kubernetes is the platform on which we are running our tools and our workloads. So for me, any tool needs to have some sort of um, container native mindset. And for example, Airflow does that really well because it, it just performs so well on, uh, on Kubernetes. Okay, good. We got another question. This one's from Shankar, thank you. Uh, what are the ways to optimize, um, what are the ways to optimize in it in wait container uh, taking less than a minute? Um, so I'm not entirely sure because I'm not that level of expert with Argo workflows yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still researching it and digging into it more. So I'm sure there are ways of optimizing it, I know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't give an answer to that. That's okay. I don't to know. Be, to be continued, that's all right. Yep. For sure. Um good. Uh that being said, we're we're pretty much we're pretty much at the end. So uh Gorka, can you share our screen? As usual, and Tim knows this because he's been in more of a few <laughs> of our meetups. Uh we always have a wonderful, wonderful person who's helping us out, who is Angel, who is our graphic recorder. And he has made uh, a very, as usual, incredible drawing depicting some of the things that were talked about. There are a lot of concepts that we went over. Um oh, very, very good. Uh, so let's see. Good. All right. So you can see this. You can see the screen now. So we have yeah. the full oh, cool. boxing <laughs> environment. I love boxing. Yeah, I love nice. kickboxing. Um, and so I think I think it's uh, it encapsulates it quite well. Uh, once again, Tim is extremely available, extremely accessible to help out, answer questions in our Slack. So if you're not in our Slack already, please get in there. Yeah. All right. Please get in there. Um, been getting very nice feedback here and also also on uh, YouTube from folks from our community. So cool. that being said, uh, Tim, I imagine we'll be having you back. Are there any other talks that you have coming up that you'd like folks to know about? Um, uh, I have nothing scheduled for the foreseeable future. Well, I, I have something in October, but that's way ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Well, hopefully we can we can get something between now and then. Um, yes, for sure. It would very it would be it would be wonderful to get you back on. If you didn't see Tim's talk about data ops that he gave last week, it's 15 minutes. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, you should definitely check it out. It's uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, and and like I said, we'll be we'll be seeing everybody else in Slack. We've got two meetups next week. We've got other meetups uh, in the pipeline that'll be coming soon. We also have Percona Live this week. We will be in Percona Live with a track for data on Kubernetes. Um, so if you go to the Percona Live website, you'll see we've got four different talks um, about different elements of databases, chaos engineering, etc. That will all be there. Um, so you can check that out as well. And anyway, Tim, once again, thank you so much for the amazing talk and for being such a good community member. Um, we're very lucky to have you. You're welcome. Thanks. Yep. 
Good. We've got, oh, sorry, we got one question right there. Good. Anyway, thank you very much, and we'll see everybody soon. Take care. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.